Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another show, Business and Legal Talk with Leo and Claudine. I am your host, Leo Landaverde. And I am Claudine Sharon. We are here to rock your world today. Today. Woo. Are you ready? I'm I, always I, ready. I'm, I don't know about you, but I am ready. I'm we have re- no choice. We have no choice but to be ready. Let's rock and roll. So, how was the week? Very good. Very good. Very good. Very busy. We are just strutting our way into the fourth quarter. Yes. Aren't we? Yes, we are. Standing proud, chin up, shoulders up tall, taking it on. You know, I am excited. I think, you know, it's a funny thing. I had this visual right now of chin up. There was... And it's kind of circulating in the internet as a meme now. Right. But this, it was two college ball players, one taller than the other, and uh, something happened. And what you see in this shot is the guy is original. You know, at the at the beginning of the of the shot is right. walking with the head down. Right. And the other guy comes from behind him. And, you know, lifts up his chin. Right. To, you know, it's outlook. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. So, so it Stand is a tall. mindset thing, right? Well, wake up and face that day. So I find myself thinking that when, uh, particularly over the weekends, because Mondays are usually pretty, pretty hot and heavy. Things have been, you know, brewing over the weekend and we're ready to rock. And there's times that I actually have anxiety you know, Sunday mm-hmm. thinking, okay, we got to do this and tomorrow this is going to happen and that's going to happen. I have to get this stuff done. And um, I find that really mentally posturing yourself and saying, okay, we're, we're going to knock this out of the park. We've got a lot to do. Can't wait to get to it. And really for me, strategizing how I'm going to work efficiently through all of what I know is coming through the day. And I, okay, I've got a client meeting here. We've got a, you know, something to draft there. We've got to deal with some employee issues. We've got to deal with, um, you know, with this, that, and the third working on the business and really taking that time to kind of posture yourself, uh, I think really helps. I know it helps me. It helps me change my mindset instead of thinking, oh, you know, kind of fretting and I don't know, you know, it's going to be a big day, this, that, and the third. Um, instead, I really try to change the mindset and get get to looking forward to taking it on. Chin up. So chin up. So, so we have a great show for you today. I've been really excited about this uh, show and been working on it. It's your favorite uh, subject. On it. It's my favorite subject. Almost favorite. I, <laughs> I think second favorite. I have a few favorite uh, topics, but this is really one. I'm trying to distill everything that I do that you know I do and that we work together in some cases as we share clients. But um, really, what is the formula, right? How do you scale a business. How do you scale? So today's show, it's about scaling your business. Okay. Now we had other shows about selling your business and getting the highest valuation and blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. Today is really about how do you grow? Don't you think scaling also can be synonymous with um, really streamlining and, and efficientizing, if that's even a word. I might have just co- coined a, a <laughs> you just phrase. just made up a word. But creating the Oxford most... Oxford will be calling. There we go. Create the most efficient processes within your business. Yes, and we're going to talk about that. So it's really five steps or five buckets that we're going to be talking about okay. uh, in today's show. So number one, mindset. Okay. Number two, metrics. Number three, systems, right? What is the word that you just made up? Uh, systems. Systemata, what, something? Efficientizing. Efficient <laughs> so systems, which is efficiency, right. right? And it's a key ingredient to scaling a business, marketing and recurring revenue. Okay. So uh, it never fails. And whenever I speak, mindset always comes up. And um, and, and and it's no matter... I can give you all the techniques in the world to grow your business. And I, I'm talking to you I'm, as a, yeah. in general. I'm not just saying, Claudine. I can give you, as a listener, all the techniques, all the tactics, all the strategies that those who are killing it are using it. Okay. But if your mind is not right, it'll go one ear and out the other. Right. Or you won't take the steps and do them do the right way. If your mind, if your mindset is not right, no amount of tactics will do. Okay. Why? What you do you say? Se- I think you're just self defeating. It's self prophesizing. Right. 
whatever the mind conceive, it will achieve, right. right? Because you will continue to sabotage yourself. This I know too well. So number one, it's mindset. And, um, you know, it, it, you know, we're going to talk about the rest of the stuff, and it's exciting, but the mindset is just something that is really got me scratched. It's almost, uh, you know, not to get... Um, whimsical or or, or um, um, you know esoterical or anything like that or or, or, or new agey but mindset is a powerful thing you know, and, uh, I, you know I totally agree with you and I, I it, what brings to mind is I have a number of clients who I have watched over the years really have amazing growth just amazing growth in their business and part of that is they have this mindset and they have this kind of personality that makes you want to give them business it, oh, it, it okay. inspires people, you know, so when they're out meeting with a new client and perhaps one that comes to mind is in the construction industry, um, watched him have amazing, amazing growth over the last probably five or six years. And when he goes out to meet a client, he just has such a fantastic mindset that people want to give him business. And I think you bring that to, to yourself when you take advantage of mindset. Well... It, you know what? You didn't look at my notes, but you know what? Something that is weird. Um, say thank you a lot in my oh, notes interesting. today. So it was meant to be. Interesting. What you just said. So here, here let, let's drive deeper, right? People always ask me how. Give me some actionable things that I can do to change my mindset. Gotcha. And I'm gonna give you one that really has saved me a great deal, and that is practicing gratitude. Yes. I don't know about you, but every morning, it's something that I've learned, and I have learned it in the lean times. When things are well, you want to hit the door, and you want to go, and you want to conquer yeah. the world, you want to do all these great things, but when things are not going well, you need to pause and reflect. And it is during those tough times that I have found myself having to learn to be grateful. Right. You know, I you know I love to travel, right? Yes. I love to visit different different places, and I love to travel internationally. I was born in a, out of the U.S., and uh, I know what it's like outside of the U.S. And this is a beautiful country of plenty. Mm -hmm. No matter what we think, no matter right. what you think, how bad things are, perspective is seeing your life through the eyes of someone who has less than you. Right. And one thing that I notice is the people, as I travel in different countries, and I've been to all the countries in South, Central and South America, people are grateful and it has nothing to do with money. Really? Interesting, Isn't that right? wonderful? And, and, and I notice that people that have less are grateful. And this is something that whatever you bring attention to, will multiply. Right. If you're a natural, so this, here's the thing about gratitude that I found. You can't be grateful and gripeful at the same time. At the same time. You coined, coined a phrase too. Well, I, I just thought I, I was thinking think about gripeful. I think gripeful is actually in the dictionary, you know, but I like it. You I like, like it. It's grateful and gripeful, right? right you right. like it? I love it. I'm gonna, I may just play I'm on that. My, that's, that needs to be a sign. Grateful. A bumper sticker or something. Yeah. Grateful, grateful not gripe. Full. That's right. And here is the thing. Um, have you, I'm going to, I'm going to, scientifically, I'm going to prove it to you. So there is the, this thing in our brain that's uh, called the reticular activating system. Okay. I actually study. Have you heard of this? No, I have not. So have you ever gone to a dealership? You know, it, it yes. works with cars, right? right? So if you're looking for a car, right, you start doing research and I don't give me, I know you love trucks, right? right. And then you this, you know, you have a what, 250 or three? 250. You have a 250. Prior to getting your truck, did you do a little research on it? Yeah, I, I actually, yes. I, I, and so much so that I literally just texted the, the, the dealership, the salesman that I was working with, and told him what color, what interior I wanted, and let me know when it's on the lot and I'll come by. So here's the thing. <laughs> Have you, if you ever test driven a car, you know, and for, for me, my kids were like, Dad, you gotta, you gotta get a Tesla. And we went to San Francisco. Really? Yes, that's my kids. They're conspiring behind my back for me to get a Tesla. Love it. A red Tesla, red. a model. S, I think the latest and greatest. Well, I actually went when I was in Seattle. When I sat, went to a dealership and actually right. sat on a red, beautiful Tesla. Really? Was it? What was? Was it any different than anything? It was else? a great experience. Really? I didn't take it out for a spin. But here's what happened after that 
as I sat and I felt in this beautiful computer, and this is not a an advertisement for Tesla, but just to prove the point. I walked away, and then I noticed every Tesla on the road. Ah, I agree that that happens. When you start shopping, so for, for, for me, when um, I was making the decision to buy the vehicle that I bought last year, I started doing that, and then pretty soon, I started recognizing every single one of them, and I thought, oh, there's a lot of them that are exactly the same color. So How remarkable. So the reticular activating, okay, all right, my producer says we got to go to break. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Business and Legal Talk with Leah Claudine. to Business and Legal Talk with Leo and Claudine. We're talking about how to scale your business. And number one is mindset. So where we left before we went to the show, we're talking about how important it is that whatever you focus on will multiply. Okay. So here is a, here is a quick, act, uh, a real takeaway is every morning, write the list, a list of 10 things you're grateful for. Okay. Right. And I do that. And I have done it a lot. Actually, I actually journal. I envy people who journal. I and journal. Do that. I have a journal in my in my briefcase, and and I use it as a sort of a repository of everything that I'm thinking about. Sometimes I even journal about how what my thoughts are because it's interesting as I'm what I'm thinking about. You know that fifty you have you have fifty thousand thoughts a day. It's you know crazy. Eighty percent are negative. Oh, ouch! Are neg- inherently negative. Ouch! And self destructive. Self destructive negative Ouch, thoughts to... about you and about others. Uh-huh. So when you write something down and it's like you're watching, like I had an auto body experience. I have written things that I'm feeling and a day later I write that it scares me. I So you got to be aware of w- what your thoughts are. Right. Right. So a gratitude list every day, 10 things you're grateful for. And you, you were saying earlier about right. saying thank you. Yes. People are attracted to those who are grateful. Absolutely. You want to grow your Absolutely. business, be grateful. Say thank you a lot. Right. You know, when you go into a meeting, I was at a conference call and it was really interesting. And in fact, on my way to the recording right. of today's show, I was on a conference call. Yes, on a Saturday morning. I know. That's a whole other conversation for another day. <laughs> right. But it, it needed to happen. And I delivered bad news to the president of the company. Bummer. I needed tough, it to know. Tough spot. And it was a tough spot. And I had to say it. And there was no way around it. And right. you know what he said? And it's the, that's, the, that's the proof of a great leader. He says, Leo, thank you for beca- letting me become aware of that. It was amazing. Right. He didn't know I was going to talk about it. Right. And I'm going to make sure to tell him. No. Because that's, that's leadership. No. And, and in terms of being grateful, don't, I don't know. I, I would imagine you've had the same experience. There's times that... I am really grateful just to be meeting with my clients. Mm. And, and, and I think to myself, I'm, I'm really glad you're my client. I love what you're doing. I'm excited about your mission. I'm, you know, I'm part of, glad to be part of the team. I had a client uh, this past week who emailed me and he, he and I worked together and did some work um, last year and he was waiting for an SBA loan to come in and, and building the business and, and he was moving into a location and then the location fell apart. Anything, anyway, everything kind of got put on hold for for basically a year and I got an email from him and he said we got it we're ready to roll let's get started um pick up where we left off last year and you know then I asked him a couple questions back and forth and and I just said man I'm so thrilled for you I'm so thrilled your dream is coming true and I'm glad to be part of the team let's do this just so excited so that that is for me how I feel so grateful that I get an opportunity to watch people's dreams come true That's and be a, a part of it story but i'll tell you what your clients notice that well i i hope so it's just part of, it comes with the package Who i mean it just... maya angelis said people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care oh absolutely you care absolutely and it shows absolutely and it goes back I to this mindset it. i just i love it right yeah so number one is just to recap no amount of tactic or strategy will change the wrong mindset. 
Absolutely. You need to expand. Now, there is this whole thing about a lot of my clients and your clients come from being very good at one thing. Yes. And they make a business out of it, whether it is produce a widget or provide a service. They're good at that. But the problem is that 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 excitement of starting something will only get you to, you know, half a million or a million dollars in revenue or whatever that is. And then you can't get out of it because what got you here won't get you out of it. Right. So you need to expand your mind. Um, Number two is metrics. Now, this is a, I say this, it's, 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 and I tell my clients and my clients, no, they say, I know what you're going to say. I need to run a business by the numbers. Right. And it sounds a little detached. Right. But the truth is, I, we talked about it in the last show. Right. You know, and in the last show, we we're talking about deconstructing what happened to uh, a dead business. Yes. Right. It's basically like, like performing an autopsy, right? Right. And right. it's just dissecting the when body. When did I know? And, and, when did I know, but I didn't right. acknowledge when it? When did the heart stop? You know, right. well, you know like the, the, the coroner's office, they haven't it just, it's a crazy job to figure out what happened to the person, right? Right. Well, it kind of segued into the next thing. So, I know nobody likes going to the doctor. I sure don't, right? But guess what happens when you walk into your doctor's office for your annual checkup? What are some of the things that happen? Can you, you know, do, do, can, can you think of what, what are the different things that you go through before you actually see the doctor? Oh, I know what you're getting at. Blood pressure. So they go, right? So you come Scale. in. Scale. <laughs> right, so okay. Temperature. So, you know, so there's, a, a, there's the like a whole, team of people, yes. right? So there is the uh, nurse assistant. There is yes. the nurse practitioner. The, you haven't seen the doctor. You're, you, you, six people come in, you know, in contact with you. Right. They want to make sure that you still have your insurance, right? right? <laughs> you don't have to pay out of pocket. Right. And they want to make sure that you still live where you say you do. And then pretty soon, as is as a, like a beautiful dance, you walk into the scale and they don't say anything. Right. They ask you to stand and they, they take your numbers and you notice that they're punching into this tablet and, and you're like please don't tell me please and don't tell me please don't tell me <laughs> they don't tell me and then you sit down and they don't tell you your weight and then you buy before you then you sit down and they just take your blood pressure and then they put something under you, you know, they want to have your temperature and all these key indicators of you what's going on in your body right um and that gets fed into a computer and then the doctor finally sees you so you don't just see the doctor right away. The doctor sits down and studies, not just your your whatever readings that they take on a half a dozen tests that they did on you right. the minute you got there, but also how they relate to other numbers from right. prior visits. Right. And maybe you were there three months ago, six months ago, a year ago, whatever there was, and a pattern begins to emerge. Right. Right? And if the doctor is not happy with what he sees and starts with those leading questions, right? Hey, why have you been eating a lot of desserts, you know, your sugar right. is a little high. And then they go into what I don't like is, we're going to have to do some more tests, right? And we need you to fast. Right. And Ugh. you need to do the pint of blood, right? right. And to, they want to look at those lipids and they want to look at all those things and they don't like this and they don't like that. And I am hypertensive. Okay. And I've said, I think I've said this before, and I've been dealing with this for 18 years, but you know, I have come to embrace knowing I need to know what my blood pressure is. Oh, okay. More so than most people. Right. Because if I don't have it under control, it's not good. Right, right, right. So what does that matter? What, what are, how does this correlate with my business? Your business has numbers that you must know. Right. Right. And, uh, and if you don't have those numbers, it's like checking the pulse. A lot of companies go from never seeing the doctor to the funeral home. Right. And there's no break in between. Right. Let's not do that. Your body, I mean, your business could be like a living organism that you got to feed, you got to nurture, you got to care for, right? You got to watch, you got to grow, you got to exercise, and you got to monitor. Right. Right. Somebody has to do that, and we actually pay a lot of money for people to make sure that we're going to be around, right. not just for ourselves, but for our families. Met numbers and the metrics for your business are key. And uh, I love this, you know, this, this, this quotes from, um, you know, Ronald Reagan saying, you know, inspect what you expect. Once you know what that is, you need to inspect it. And that's a, that's a, that's a really interesting thing. If you can't measure it, you can't improve it. You know who said that? I'll tell you. Okay. <laughs> Peter, uh, um, Peter, um, Peter Drucker, the godfather of management, okay. said if you can't measure it, 
you can't improve it. Well, and, and, and if you did improvement, you wouldn't know. That's the whole point of the measurement. Right. So it's not that you can't improve. I would, I would probably beg to differ, but far be it for me. I'm an, an attorney for, to argue about something. <laughs> but <laughs> well. I, I would honestly say, I beg, beg your pardon. Um, but I, I, told, I get the message. I get the message. It, you're, not, it, you're not able to put yourself in a position to improve things when you don't know that that's an improvement. Or make, maybe it's the opposite is true. You don't know that it's a deficiency. It's, you, you're losing you know, clients every, every month because you're not paying attention. Let me use another analogy that I think, and, and, and I use either the body health analogy or the other one. Can you imagine going down the freeway, right? And then, you know, you have a beautiful car and you have this truck and it has this beautiful dashboard and a lot of levers and, and lights and things. And you're driving, how often do you just pay attention to it? Do you know the color of the lights in your dashboard and your truck? I do. But I'm from an I'm from a generation that we didn't have all these fancy things on cars, ah. and you know we had to keep an eye on the temperature gauge, and we had to drive a vehicle. So you know my husband and I kind of laugh about it because you know when we were young and driving and just getting licenses and having cars, you manage those gauges all the time. Right, kids, my kids. Okay, we're from young, a different generation. Yeah, they're this generation that not so much because the bell goes off and somebody actually tells you says hello, your tire pressure is low, and you know, in previous decades, um, you had to keep an eye on your temperature gauge and you had to keep an eye on your gas gauge and you had to keep an eye on, you know, whether or not your battery was putting out or your alternator was putting out enough electric, that's, you know, the fourth gauge over there. So, no, it's absolutely. So why do numbers matter? Why? It's because over time, some metrics have been built around certain numbers and, that are, and, and then you have numbers that are specific to your industry. Now, because you're in the professional services industry, you have different indicators, different numbers than uh, Alma Lada in construction, right? right? And um, construction has its own language. You know, just to, just to give an, an example of some of the things that we measure, right? We measure working capital. We want to know what working capital is. Right. At any time, every month, I need to know what the working capital is. Okay, got it. So... But we also want to know the revenue, the revenue month over month, quarter over quarter, year over year. We want to know the net margin. You know, we live in the margin world. Um, go ahead. So let me ask you, how does a person know what working capital is correct? That's a great question. Well, it depends. For instance, let's talk about the, the, the working capital outside of the construction industry. Is It's measured a little different. It's working capital is your current assets over your current liabilities. Okay. Right. And as I said before, banks care deeply about your current ratio. That's right. how we measure it, right? And, and, and it better be one and a half or higher. Now, some clients are two, three, four. It doesn't matter. Once you're over one and a half, it means that you have 50% more current assets or cash and readily available cash and accounts receivable and anything that can be turned into cash within 12 months. But in construction, your working capital is the difference between your current assets minus, not over, minus your current liabilities. And that gives you a dollar amount and it needs to be a healthy amount. So is a project underway a liability? So I'm a, I'm a contractor. I've got a project underway. Um, it's a contract, so we have a contract for X amount of dollars that, that's going to take to com complete, complete this project. Is that a liability or is that an asset? Is that contract an asset? Well, it, it, it depends, right? So you have a schedule of values, right? You, assuming that we're looking at a percentage of completion in accounting. So you have a million, just make it simple. So you have a $1.2 million contract that is supposed to be done in 12 months. Right? Every month you're recognizing 100000 right? Okay. So... That is backlog. So if you if you if you have so you have a million dollars and you put on the books, you don't put on the books the whole million dollars, no. a million one point two in the first month. You put whatever you earned, right? So, so the, is it a liability then? So the unearned. So when you overbill in construction, more so than what you're entitled to bill, that's a liability, right? But does the average? I'm talking about, and maybe we we could touch this uh, after the break. The average person who's listening, who's saying to themselves. I have this contract. I'm going to, you know, th this is a project. In fact, I had sat with somebody today says, I've got these fantastic contracts. I'm, I'm getting the exclusive. Um, and I've, I'm that client's looking at those contracts as an asset. Yeah, they are an asset, right? They are, they are an asset. It's called backlog. 
right? So you're contracted to perform a service that has a profit, right? Right. So say that you are, you know, if you get to about 20% margin, it's a pretty good margin in construction. Right, so right. so you're banking that you're going to make 20 cents for every dollar. And as you're earning that revenue, hopefully those numbers line up and you're up, you know, your variable costs line up to about 80% of the revenue that you build. But the, the, the key thing in construction is, is you got to build, you got to let the customer pay for the work, but not too much. If a customer, if you're billing way ahead, you may run out of money and you're not able to complete the project. Now, if you're doing the work, but you're not billing fast enough, that's an asset. It's a funny thing. It's an asset, but it's also hurting your cash. You right. should be billing for something you're not, so you get punished for that. Right. So anyway, so all of this, we, we don't want to get too much into this, but right now, stay tuned. We'll be right back. We're talking about metrics and how to scale your business. Business and Legal Talk with Leon Claudine. to scale your business. I am high and super excited. I am high on coffee right now, nothing nothing else. Nothing else, even though. I am here with Claudine, and we're talking about scaling your business, and we were talking about metrics. Yes. And you were asking a question. I'm asking right. a question because I'm, you know, I'm a, from, a, from a simple, you know, simplistic standpoint. Let's when, keep it simple, right. So the, the person who's listening and, and you're saying, you, you know, you want to know these numbers, but how does one know that the numbers are out of line? So for example, you know, that's, I think that's why I, I regularly kind of ask you, okay, well, what, what percentage is, is in line? What percentage is not in line? So when you're setting up metrics, how do you know that that is a good range to be in? So for example, um, when you're setting up what we were talking about prior to going on to the break is, um, you know, profitability and cash flow and those type of things. How do you know? And is it just one of those things that perhaps there is not one number? It's really, that's where you really need to go sit down with somebody and work on the individual because the businesses are individual. So yes, we do have some kind of systematic and some commonality being in a particular industry. So for example, you're talking about the construction industry. So as I'm listening, I'm thinking, okay, how do I go back to my office and do this? Okay, great question. And I'm going to try to keep it very simple. Okay. Forget about the industry. Let's just talk about cash, okay. right? If you have a business the first thing that I look at, remember, we, um, you're coming into my office and you're going to be seen by my nurse. Right. Uh, you're going to be seen by my nurse practitioner and the right. friendly uh, receptionist at the front. And all want to make sure that everything is okay. They're going to extract some numbers. And those the numbers that I want to see is, I want to see what your current expenditures are. How much cash you're bleeding out. You're burning. We call it burn rate. Right. So whatever your business is, ask yourself this question. How much cash does it take to feed the beast? Okay. Every month. Simple enough. Got so, this. So say, okay, so we got that. So say that number for you is 10,000. 10,000 a month. So you have $10,000 worth of cash you have to spend to keep your business afloat. That includes right. your payroll, your rent, etc. Then the other thing is how much cash is expected to come. Okay. Right? So for you to be able to break even, you must bring $10,000 a month every month to meet that debt. And the result is you break even. You make no money, but you pay, all, and this is on a cash basis, right? And we're gonna keep it simple, on a cash basis. Cash, I spend 10,000, I bring 10,000. That could be receipts, that could be accounts receivable that you collect from the prior month. Regardless, you right. must bring 10,000. So, and then you tell me, I have a contract worth 60,000 that is going to bring $60,000 worth of cash over the next 6 months. So we figure you have enough cash to last you 6 months. Okay. So the things that I look at is the burn rate. I like that. I like that. What's you like it, that? what's it take to to stay above water? Break per even month? is first. Yep. I want to know what is the break even of your business under optimal conditions. Okay. 
and then in reality. So I have for every for most industries a blueprint. I know how things should look like. So imagine as an x-ray, right? So you come in and your body looks a certain way and I look at your x-ray and I'm like, wait a minute, her spine is like 25% to the left. Right. And I look at what the perfect spine should look like and you're gonna, there's gonna be a variance, right? Right, right. Same for a business. I know what I know what professional services should look like, um, the blueprint for success, you know, what should be humming, you know, how much percentage you know, of profits you have. Do you have variable costs? Do you not have variable costs? Then you start asking those questions, right? But for simplicity, 10,000 out the door, 10,000 must come in. Otherwise, you have to kick in money. You right. have to get a loan, somebody has to invest, or somebody has to invest in your business, or you have, somebody has to kick in some equity. And those are really simple areas to be able to understand. If you do nothing else, if you just don't, if you know your burn rate and what you need to have is income, Though that that right there is a great place to start. It's a great place just, to start. Just for any business, it doesn't matter if you're a micro business, if you're you know, you know, approaching the million dollar revenue business. Now let's have some fun with it. Now I did this whole exercise, and I thought, well, you know, I deal a lot with the gross profit, and I'm always asking about the gross margin or a gross profit, and I'm always talking about the net profit or the net margin. Can you, so I think it all right. So I did this um, uh, talk one time to uh, to a bunch of uh, a realtor group. And I said, well, how do I make it so that it's relatable, right? So I said, for the average person, hey, what is your gross margin over your net margin? You're going to be like, what are you talking about? Right. Right. I said, look, who knows? Raise your hand if you know what, you know, your blood, uh, you know, uh, systolic versus diastolic is. Right? right. Right. So it's your high, you know, and your low of your blood pressure. So your heart at rest and your heart popping. Right? So what is ideal? 120 over 80. That's what the doctors would say. But some people have it a little higher, right? Remember, I am keenly aware of hypertension. So for me, my normal, it's over like 135. So 130, so long as it's no more than 140 over 80, I'm good. And the most important is the heart at rest, which is 80, right? Okay. So if it is less than 80, it's good. If it is over 80, that's not good, right? Okay. So you have a a, 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 a guiding post, right, right? A marker. A marker. So, so for your business, think of your gross profit as the number on top and for your net profit as the number on the bottom. So I read your business and I read your blood pressure for your business. And I go, gosh, it's 40 over 20 good? I don't know. It depends on the industry. So right. 40 is your gross profit. So say you sold $100,000 worth of anything. And you, it, in order for you to produce the $100,000 worth of anything, you have to spend $60,000 to get those raw goods or whatever. You don't have to worry about that because your business has none of that. But right. manufacturing, construction, anybody right. has to deal with inventory. Right. Vendors. Vendors product, or anything product. that, or even staffing companies, whether it's materials or people that are conducive to producing that revenue. Right. And it produces 40% gross profit and, you're, and you have 20% operating expense and there's 20% at the bottom. And you are in the staffing industry and I take my blueprint and I go, you need to be a 30 over 15. And then you come a 40 over 20. What do you think I'm going to think about your business? I'm going to be high-fiving you. Right? Wow, what are you doing? 40% over 20%. That's fantastic. It's fantastic. But beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Unless you know all the backstory, it's not going to make sense to you. Right. I know what businesses should be looking like. Right. So if somebody comes to me now. let's. So let's, that's the answer to the question, though. For the person who's listening, who says, is this good, is that is that not good? It depends on your industry, right? So if you're in professional services, if, okay, let's talk about restaurants. There's probably a lot of restaurants. You want to have your cost, your, your food cost not to exceed 27.5%. Some people would say 28. I'll say 27.5, right? So your gross profit is 62.5, right? So you, so you got that, right? So 62.5 over 15, is that good? Yes, because that would be what I would expect. That's a, right. a profitable business. Right. Most restaurants are losing money. And it's a, it's a notoriously hard business to get into, but it can be very profitable if you understand the numbers. And if you understand nothing other than what should my gross profit be, right? So if your gross profit should be 70%, that's very, very high. Most industries will have lower if you're going to logistics and manuf- construction at 20%. So if a construction company comes to me and says 20, 10, 20 over 10, would I be happy or sad? What do you think? 
I think you'd be happy. I'd be very happy. 20%. So a company that is generating $10 million worth of business, I expect it to have $2 million worth of gross profit. Now, your business begins at the gross profit, by the way. Everything else doesn't belong to you. Right. Because that's Correct. the profit of your business, right? Correct. So, so if we establish, so, so you start, you have a two million dollar business, then you have a million dollars worth of operating expense. How much should I expect at the bottom? A million. Does that always happen? No, because what I expect is about ten percent or more. Right. Now you can argue, well, a hundred million dollar business could afford to have a little less. It, it, it's it's hard to just answer in a nutshell, but numbers are good. If you take about anything, numbers you need to know what the numbers are, the ideal numbers against the numbers of your business, and they should be a variance. Are you looking at that? How often? You know, I advise my clients, you got to be looking at your numbers every month. And if you don't know what the ideal numbers are, and, and then definitely reach out and ask. But I think if you're in your industry for long enough, you probably have a good feel. You, you probably right, know. Right. And, and, and plus, you can look at it and do a rough estimate and say, this is what I would be more comfortable with. I know how I am right now. I know the numbers are, say, you know, 40 over 20. And right now, I feel like we're barely getting by or we're, you know, we're just not, you know, we're not in that position that we really want to be in. So then just by knowing that, you can increase the numbers that are going to be your target numbers. Correct. So, I mean, start somewhere. If you, if you haven't got an opportunity or if you aren't in a position right now to reach out to somebody and get somebody on your team, start somewhere. Then you'll you'll get yourself down the road to a place where you can. So we have a very simple, I call it the method, right? The Greenland method of doing things. It's I I think simple is better. Of right? course. We take every business through a three-step process. We want you to get to profit if you don't have any. Right. So we say profit, value, freedom, proposition. So we want to get you to higher profit, regardless of whatever profit you have. Maybe being higher profit on the same revenue or more revenue and keep the profit static. But more profit, it's going to lead to higher value. And right. that means enterprise value. And isn't that what we want to have value in our business? Because if you don't have a valuable business, what you have is a hobby. Who wants that? Right? We cannot afford to have hobbies that are very expensive, that are costing you $100,000 a month. Right. You, see, you, can, you can be generating $100,000 in revenue, but if something is not coming to the bottom line, you have a hobby. Right. Can we agree? Which eventually is going to lead to financial freedom. So number three is systems. Now, there's, three, there's actually three types of businesses. You got this startup, right? And that you want to make sure that I have something that is going to, do I have a valuable idea? You know, you know, um, I'm going to go out to the marketplace and I'm going to try to create, you know, something, right? And first of all, is the market going to want it? They may not want it. Right. Right. You know how many people come up with a product that nobody wants? A lot. <laughs> and I'll tell you, there's a lot of patents out there that nobody's using. Right. So you have the startup, right? When people get excited, and you know what's the funny thing is, is we're talking about private equity and raising capital right. when we're on the break. And uh, every time that I've been privy to, to look at a bunch of investors and they are looking at the CEO, paying the beautiful dream of the hockey stick, right? And we're going to be in two to three years from now, you're going to be at a $100 million valuation. Right. You know what the, you know what the VCs typically do? Go, uh, yeah, they not, go, not really. Oh, no, they turn their eyes to the CFO and they go, Really? No, right. can you, can you? That sounds like a pipe dream. Right. No, can you give me the reality, Mr. CFO? Right. Because they think the CFO is Stop with the marketing. optimistic to their detriment. Right. right. That's what CEOs are known for. And you need that kind of raw energy as a CEO to get anything off right. the ground because 90% of your rocket fuel will be at takeoff. Right. And then if you just manage to get off the ground for one inch and you actually have a viable product, then you're going to have to figure out where you go to the next step. And the next stage is an owner you know, related business in which you are the owner. You stop working, Claudine, there's no business. Right. Now, a lot of us are in that, but we want to get out of that and we want to go to an owner where it's owner-independent business. That's the freedom. So am I keeping it simple enough? Startup, owner-dependent, owner-independent. Stay tuned. We'll be right back.
I got accused on the break that I was a little bit too excited. Oh, I don't I'm think so. I'm not gonna so. say. I'm I don't not gonna name so. names, but I she starts with a C. So. No, I, I never you know, said that. Claudine, I get excited. I know you I do. We love it profusely. That's what we love about you. <laughs> but but you know, this is one topic that is hard for me to just be on the sidelines. I believe in this so much that you should be in business to be profitable. Right. Your country depends on you for that. Right. Right. Your family depends on you for that. And I believe that business owners are heroes. In our community. Right. Right. And, and I want him so much to do well. I'll tell you, there's so much that goes on on the day to day for a business owner. And you know this. I mean, I'm, I'm yep. totally preaching the choir on this. But there's so many things and your brain goes from, you know, trying to deal with the client and, and trying to, you know, produce the product and trying to get get where you need to go and do this and do that. And then you meanwhile, you have to maintain your focus on your business, these numbers, exactly what you're talking about. And it's so hard and we could become very complacent with it if it wasn't for you having this kind of high energy and this kind of message. um, You know, you're the cheerleader that keeps us going and keeps us looking at at what we need to be looking at because um, it is difficult. It is hard. So um, systems, I'm going to give you some actionable things. Um, the only way you're going to be able to scale your business is to figure out a way to get what's in your head out of your head. Right. How to do anything. And that's really the biggest challenge is for companies that are one to five million and they want to get to the next level. Right. They realize that whatever got you here won't get you there. Totally difficult. You need, you need to empty. So, for instance... There should be a system and a process for everything in your company, right? And I'm going to give you some, you know, ideas and what checklists, right? Um, when a client calls, you know, uh, what are the things that you need to be asking? So if right. you're talking to your paralegal, right? right. W- ask for this, ask for that, ask for this. And, and if you go through that checklist, you know, it's, you know, you you fly, right? You've been in an airplane and you and I fly quite a bit, but it doesn't it make you feel better when you walk into your plane and you see your two pilots actually checking off their list? Right. Yeah. No, seriously. The, right. Like, okay, all right, good. <laughs> but you, but that's kind of silly because you go, they probably fly three times a day. These professional pilots, you know, and they fly three times a day, how many times? A couple hundred times a year, right? right? But why do you think they look at their checklist? They don't forget it. Right, God have the checklist. It's a habit, right? Right, and and it gives me so much reassurance and so much peace when I see my pilot checking it, you know, checking it off the list, you know. And you, the, just recently was on the news, right, about um, a flight that had to they couldn't get off the ground because some light was coming up, and the pilot goes, "This doesn't seem right." And somebody was tampering. Remember, this is the whole thing about this this I mechanic. I remember hearing this. Yeah, it was tampering. Oh, and scary. then it, and one of the sensors was blocking, obscuring, covered the sensor, so it wouldn't come up, so to cause an accident. Right. And that's a, that's a crime. Right. Right. But thank goodness for pilots checking their checklist. So you should have checklists on your business, scripts, right? If you have a sales force, right, and don't leave things to chance. Everything can be coached. Um, scripts, how to, you know, if a customer calls, how to de-escalate a angry customer. You know, right. if you're the if you're the president of the company, you only own the person who can de-escalate anybody, you're in trouble. Right? You won't be able to grow past you. And this is so critical when um, employees come and go. I mean, have you ever been in the position when you had somebody who was a real key employee um, decide to leave for, you know, whatever reasons? Maybe it's a good one, maybe it's a bad one, but... You know, and then you're you're scrambling trying to figure out where are they with everything, and even when I've I've asked employees, okay, what I need you to do is go through each task that you're working on and make a note, and you know, so that we have a, a list of everything. It's knowledge still, train, I yeah. call it knowledge train. It's so difficult. You have a key employee that leaves your company. Whatever is in their head goes, goes with them. Goes. And you know, and this, you know, we haven't spoken about the legalities of intellectual property, not protecting all of that. And mm-hmm. you have somebody who knows a component of your intellectual property goes away. You don't know how to piece the whole thing together. Right. The house of the the, the house of cards crumbles. Right. Right. But um, templates and samples, uh, FAQs in your website, written warnings, spreadsheets. You know, I love spreadsheets with built-in formulas, deliverable timetables, job description, instructional videos. You get it, right? Systems are everything. And the sooner, but but again, it goes back to the mindset. It is 
Do you believe in your heart of hearts that you can take your company to the next level? And it starts with you. Yeah. No amount of technique, no amount of scripts, no amount of formulas, no amount of ratios will do, will change you unless you change from within because you are your best friend or your worst enemy. And I think part of mindset also is knowing how to fight off the anxiety um, knowing how to deal with it. There there are times, and I know we've all done this, you wake up in the middle of the night and you think, did I do, did I this? Oh my gosh, what about this? What about that? Sometimes that becomes a pattern. Mm. And when you allow that to become a pattern, it really is destructive. So how do you fight that? You have to learn to wake up and say, I'm not going to think of that. I'm going to think of this. I'm going to think about how efficient I'm going to be tomorrow morning when I get to the office. I'm going to start on this task first, that task second, and I'm not going to stop until all the tasks are done. And I think putting into real um, into real play actual physical um, to-dos and putting those things into play and making those part of your system as well is that, um, you know, managing the, the time from the time you walk into the door to the time you walk out of the door. And are we managing it efficiently? Are we doing the most efficient things we can be doing? Are we functioning with our tasks as efficiently as possible? Great point. So, you know... Manage anxiety. You got to manage anxiety. But one of the things that I've learned is smart people learn how to leverage. And they start with systems, right? Um, systems is the key to scaling. Right. And, and it's not... It's also the key to bringing down anxiety. Correct. I will tell you. I, I, I absolutely believe that. So you got to have systems to leverage. And um, and we already went over it. Number four, and with the time that we have, is marketing you know, and lead generation. I Feed, and, the, feed the beast. Yeah, right. You would think new, that new that's... New clients, new customers all the time. I can never tell you how many times I'm in a conference call or a meeting with a client, and then immediately once we go after the numbers, I want to know, like I, I get excited about, hey, tell me what we have in the pipeline. Because the pipeline, whether you call it backlog and construction, or what, whatever is already booked is booked. So you want to go get something else. Right. But never take your eyes off the revenue. Revenue always fixed a great majority of problems. And you know what? People say, well, I want to cut some more expenses. You can never cut your, you can never cut your way into profitability. You can, ne- you can only cut so much expenses before you cut to the bone, right? Right. And your people are your assets. You got to take care of them, but you won't take care of it by cutting, right? You got to grow, grow and lead generation. It's a key thing to grow your business. Do you have the systems in place for marketing and lead generation? If you don't, well, you really don't expect what, remember what we said about whatever you focus on happens, whatever right. you put your mind to and use reticul- you know, the, the reticular activating system to your advantage is really, I, as a CFO, I am disproportionately intentional about thinking about growth because I don't want my clients to do something I'm not doing. I absolutely love to sell, I love revenue. And there's nothing wrong with that. So fall in love with revenue and a lot of, it will cure a thousand problems in your company. Um, and, but you know what, the whole thing we were talking about 20%, right. one of your clients. Well, if you're constantly looking for new clients and that is habit, by the way, profit, it's a habit. Right. It's not an occurrence. No, no. And I'll tell you one, a really great habit and, and kind of goes back to what you were saying earlier about the grateful, um, the gratefulness and, yeah. and being grateful. Um, I find that it's a really good practice to be mindful of referrals and be mindful of um, clients who are helping you put that name out there. And that's part of the grateful piece. Um, don't forget if you get a referral from somebody, you know, reach out, say thank you, let them know. And I think that getting referrals is something that really makes me feel grateful. When uh, I met with a client today, that's why it's on the top of my mind, but met with a client today who was referred by another client and just thought, wow, I'm so excited to be part of this. Really? I, I really dig this. I mean, and somebody who's, you know, has a business going, but we're going to be, you know, we're growing, we're structuring it. We're, we're maybe going to bring in another partner and, you know, just some gross <clears throat> stuff there and just having that opportunity. Um, so I want to just mention that on the referral thing. Um, if you if you get clients who are out there referring, remember the grateful piece. Mm, great, those are, great those are your best, best, 
best clients? You know, um, I was reading, uh, uh, I was actually not reading, I was listening to a podcast and they're talking about business development and the, and the host was talking about the biggest lesson that he's learned, that he te- passes on to other people about generating business is that there is nothing better uh, than becoming a promoter for other people. Right. Helping other people right. get what they want right. will get you what you want. Absolutely. You know, it kinda has, 100%. Kinda, right? 100%. And it's it's because of the concept of reciprocity. Right. But you you what you find if if you become um if you become that person who is mindful of of referring other businesses that you work with or, or suppliers or or people and you become mindful what it's just like you were saying earlier when you start shopping for a vehicle and all of a sudden you start looking around and you start noticing all the vehicles that the re- reciprocity the referral thing is happens the same way as soon as you start really being mindful of being able to connect people um, and trying to connect people um, you start to see how it's that it, it begins to happen more and more there absolutely was that a long way around this very simple concept (laughs) no i i think you you know uh, explained it quite nicely there is a book called go givers there's somebody who i follow he's a shout out to bob berg b-u-r-g he wrote a book go givers and uh, really the 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 premise is you know this from the some of the networking groups givers gain right right right. so it's this inherent nature that we have to to reciprocate right if you do good Others will reciprocate with good. If you do bad, people will want to reciprocate in kind. Right. So I hope this was helpful to you. I know we packed a lot of information in today's show, but, you know, it's going to be a a podcast and you can come back to it. There's a lot there. But we are here to help you. We care. And if we come across passion, it's because we really are. We're really jumping off the walls when we're in front of our clients because we care. Yeah. You know, and people can tell. So thank you so much for being a great audience. And uh, we hope that you have a wonderful weekend. And stay tuned for next Saturday. Absolutely. Have another great show. We'll be back. Bye, everybody. Thank you.